Hello, hello, and welcome to Soccer Man in Portland on OregonLive.com and Stumptown Footy. My name is Chris Reifer, and joining me, as always, the Timbers and Thorns beat writer for the Oregonian and OregonLive.com, Jamie B. Goldberg. Jamie B., what's up? Not much, just uh, sacrificing the basketball game I wanted to watch for this, but, uh, you know, the Timbers have to come first, I guess, uh, or Chris's schedule, Sacri- the Timbers. Oh, oh, man, sacrificing uh the basketball you're missing like the first quarter maybe <laughs> maybe like a little bit of the second quarter uh but you'll be all right uh yes the the warriors and the cleveland cavaliers are are playing uh in game three of the nba finals this evening uh and that is especially important because somebody else is, is also sacrificing to be here with us uh and that is uh mlssoccer.com's uh armchair analyst matthew doyle uh is going to be joining us here as we go in fact let's let's do that now so that we can get him off uh to the basketball game uh, let's just jump right into it, and then we'll, you know, we can chit-chat weather made in Portland later. Uh, without further ado, here's Matt. It's our great pleasure now to to welcome back to the show uh, the armchair analyst. Uh, you know him from MLSsoccer.com. Uh, he's also a huge Golden State Warriors fan, and, and we're recording just as the game <laughs> three of the NBA Finals is tipping off. Uh, Matt Doyle, welcome back to the show. Uh, thank you for coming, and, and in your introduction, please answer. We'll get you on record now before the game gets going. Are you guys going 16 and 0 uh sweeping the playoffs? Uh I think they are going to go 16 and 0, but I I do need to caveat that introduction. I am a complete bandwagon uh Warriors fan. I don't I don't want to Is get there any another credit kind? for for <laughs> There are. There's one of the things that shocked <laughs> me when I moved out here was just how much uh all these people in the bay lo- love their sports. Uh the Warriors you know, when I got here in 2011, they were still pretty bad, and they were selling out every game. Couldn't walk down the street without people talking about the Dubs, who won 25 games that year. Uh, and you know, lo and behold, six years later, on on the verge of uh, what I think would be the best playoff run in NBA history. So, so I, we'll I that is actually a very fair uh, point to make, especially the folks down in the Bay. You're exactly right because uh, that place was always rocking, even when. Like there would be a mediocre Blazers team going down to play a bad Warriors team, uh, and it, it was yeah. always great. Now the the Warriors fans in Portland, on the other hand, <clears throat> <laughs> uh, are, are a different story. They're they're the folks that a few years ago what? were wearing Kobe jerseys <laughs> to the Rose Garden. Yeah, I mean that doesn't surprise me. But don't don't you guys actually have like no Californians allowed on some of your real estate up there? Hey. Like what, I. I I've seen I've seen like signs about that, like not quite the Onion level parody uh, articles about stuff like that. I mean, you guys are you guys are getting a good chunk of Bay Area residents. You know, the problem is like that was a hard and fast rule for a while, and then we just couldn't like you know let the property tax income go. So uh, <laughs> at some point, we had to sell out and, and, and let Californians into the state. Plus, um, <laughs> you guys like me. I'm a Californian. Come on. Come on now. <laughs> we do like you, Jamie. We do. Uh, we'll, we'll take the Jamie Goldbergs and, and we'll take like via the internet, the Matt Doyles. Um, otherwise, we're just going to make fun of the folks that, uh, that that crossed out Bryant and wrote in uh, Curry on the back of their yellow basketball jerseys. Um, okay, let's talk about <laughs> soccer. Let's about that. Uh, so <laughs> I think a good place to be, uh, and at least to start, is with Darlington Nagby uh, and the U.S. Men's National Team. They're taking on Trinidad and Tobago uh, in Colorado in 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 Denver, not in Commerce City. Uh, tomorrow evening, that's Thursday. Uh, you said uh, online uh, in a really good piece, sort of predicting the eleven for the men's national team that you think it's 
sort of questionable that Nagby would start and that it essentially boils down to either him or Fabian Johnson on likely the left wing. If you were Bruce Arena, uh, in which game, if at all, uh, Trinidad and Tobago or Mexico down at Azteca, would you be more likely to play Nagby? Do you think he makes sense in the first half of, the, uh, of this two-game uh, set, or, or do you think he makes more sense in the second half? He could make sense in either. Uh, what is nice about the player pool now is that if you can, if you take someone like Fabian Johnson off, you can bring someone as good as Darlington Nagby in, in his stead. Uh, the reason why I have Fabian Johnson starting against uh, Sheridan and Tobago in, in place of Nagby is that uh, Johnson's been there. This is a huge game. This is a, if we don't win, we're in real, real, real trouble uh, in terms of hoping to qualify for the World Cup. Uh, so I, I think in, in those situations, historically, Bruce has leaned toward playing veterans. Um, and then, you know, the second game is only three days later, three and a half days later at altitude. So it's going to be tough for guys to double up. And plus, we know that Fabian Johnson, I mean, he, he struggles on the road in CONCACAF. A, a lot of these guys do. A lot of these guys with the European backgrounds just aren't it's like a CONCACAF gene that is maybe late in them. And, and you, you need, you need to get punched in the kidney enough times by Carlos Ruiz in order to activate it. So <laughs> I, I, I don't have any problem leaving Fabian Johnson out against Mexico and throwing Darlington Nagby to the wolves in that game. That said, you're getting a very long answer here. That said, invited when I put, yeah, right. When I put that, uh, that lineup out on, on that column of mine. Um, I got a couple of texts from from guys around the team and former national team players saying that they think that both Nagby and Johnson will start. And it might not necessarily be Johnson on the right, Nagby on the left, as it was the other day. It might be the other way around in that four one three two slash four three one two. That would be a good way of, of getting the most attacking talent as is feasible onto the field. But I would worry uh, about what it means in terms of exposing Michael Bradley to have to defend one V two in, in the central midfield. But Bruce is getting paid the big bucks and he's been there, done that. And I have not. So uh, hopefully whatever lever he pulls is the right one. You know, and it's, it's an interesting idea because, you know, Nagby on that right wing side has sort of tended to be a little bit, more content to be just the, the zone mover, the shuttler, uh, any any term you want to use for it. Uh, and, and he does become fairly influential. In fact, arguably more so on the right than on the left in that respect. He, he adds almost nothing uh, going forward in, into the final third from that spot. But he does get on the ball quite a bit. And so it'd be interesting to see that dynamic. But I think you're exactly right that if you're running with that sort of diamond-ish setup, however you you want to call it, uh, th- that is exactly the risk. And then I, I think you pointed out in your piece today, the, the presence of Kevin Molino essentially uh, then becomes something genuinely to concern, to be concerned about. Yeah, for sure. I, I think that just about sums it up. So Jeremy, um, Abovesi, uh didn't play a ton for the U23s in Korea, but when he did play, he scored twice, including the U.S.'s lone goal against Venezuela. He's been in a bit of a funk for about a year or so. 
Do you think that's a sign that he's coming out of it? And uh, if so, how much time should he be seeing with the Timbers going forward? Uh, he looked good. Uh, he, you know, he changed the game against Venezuela, and I, I thought he was very good in uh, in the game against New Zealand, and, and scored a hell of a goal as well. His strength receiving the ball with a defender on his back, uh, and the touch to to bring it down and, and then make something of it. That's a it's an elite talent, and I think it's something that. Uh, I mean, it's why he was a high draft pick, and it's why people should be excited about him. I don't think it means he's going to displace Fernando Adi anytime soon. Uh, even though Fernando Adi is slumping, uh, it, it's not. I, it, that's not the type of move I, I see Caleb Porter ever making. Um, so hopefully, what does happen is, is uh, Ebobisi. Or Abobisi? Have we have we nailed down how to pronounce the other name? I think yet? we've settled on Abobisi. Abobisi. Okay, so let's hope that that Abobisi gets time with uh, Timbers too, scores a bunch of goals to the point where uh, at the end of this season, uh, the Timbers feel like maybe it's time to sell uh, Fernando Adi at a profit, and Abobisi uh, comes in next year with that number nine shirt and, and can do the job and that way sort of everybody wins. But it, it was good to see, it was good to see him play well with the U twenties, but as good a level as that is, they're still just kids and he needs to do, he needs to show it. I think in USL a little bit first before he'll win the trust of the guys making the decisions uh, in Portland. Making the shift from sort of the national scene down to the club scene. Uh, you know, looking forward to this game against FC Dallas uh, th- this weekend. It is, yes, it's an international window. It's it's all of that. This feels like a pretty huge game uh, between two teams that, that I think haven't been in the best form right now uh, or recently and and are, are looking like they may be starting to get into better form. We'll talk more about that from the Timbers in, in just a moment, but... You know, looking at FC Dallas, I would sort of summarize them as a, as a team that through the first couple of months of the uh, of the season were, you know, survived on an elite back line, probably the best 6-8 combination in the league, and then a really, really hot Maxi or Rudy. Now Mauro Diaz is coming back in, in, into the fold. He played half an hour last weekend, uh, could see him for an hour or more this weekend. How does that sort of change FC Dallas? And I guess the the, the question I have is, are we now just going to see them run through and leave a path of destruction uh, in their wake uh, through the rest of Western Conference the rest of the year? I don't think so. I, I think they're going to be really good, and, and I think that uh, Mar Diaz is, is one of, if not the best, uh, chance creator in the league, especially creating um, high-value chances. And it's going to help, but... Uh, We've seen before. I mean, we saw it already with Toronto this year. They lost uh, Javinko for a few games, and when he came back, they weren't automatically five times better. There's all you know. You guys know this. Chemistry is such a big thing in our game, um, and, and so while I think Diaz will help uh, much, much more than he hurts, there it's also going to be a, a constant work in progress especially because right now Walker Zimmerman is hurt uh, and, and Matt Badges is gone. So it's, it's not, you know, those are, those are the two guys who, as much as Grezo Acosta, as much as Diaz, 
it's Hedges and Zimmerman who define what FC Dallas are. So I don't think we'll see the true version of this team until sometime in August, uh, at which point they might just start pounding the hell out of the rest of, of the Western Conference and run away with it. So the Timbers themselves snapped their winless streak last week against San Jose. Watching that game, do you think it was a sign the Timbers are rounding back into something like form, uh, something like the form we saw from them in March, or is this team not out of the woods just yet? I don't think they're out of the woods. I, I, I think that, uh, you know, San Jose, they, we all know how they play on the road they're going to tuck their tails in and then they're, they're going to play for the point. And then once Saren got sent off as well, it, you know, that was pretty much that. And it was Diego Valeri doing his thing. I, I thought the best takeaway from this game was that uh, Adi looked up for it and energetic in a way that he maybe hasn't for the past couple of months. Um, but this, again, like everything else, it is going to be a work in progress for these Timbers. I don't think they've quite figured out their chemistry yet, especially with Sebastian Blanco. Um, and I think the the back line is still gappy and a little bit slow to advance the ball. Uh, so I, you know, as nice as a two nil win is, and nobody should, you know, nobody should dismiss that because it's not like the Quakes are are absolutely terrible. Um, as nice as a two nil win is, uh, I don't think it. I don't think it signifies that everything has been figured out for uh, for the Timbers. All right. Well, we are going to get you off to uh, to watch that game. I think it's like 10-9 Cavs right now. Uh, so well on, the, on their way to that 30-point win. <laughs> uh, so we're, we're going to get yeah we're going to get you off to uh, to to watch that game. We are certainly appreciate you coming back on the show, helping us you know hit like four things in quick succession uh and also help us get ready for this game this this upcoming weekend and, and we'll have you back thanks so much matt always a pleasure to be on guys take care once again a big thanks to uh to matt for taking the time uh coming on the podcast really good stuff um i think on as we sort of said on, on a lot of different subjects in in a short amount of time so very much appreciate uh him coming on the show and and and, and giving us his uh, always valuable and interesting insight jamie goldberg we're recording a podcast this evening uh, we are in, in like full go mode now on, on our bit of it. Uh, we, you know, what, what's going on this week other than, uh, than the Warriors and the, and, and, and the Cavs and the soccer, that kind of stuff. <laughs> yeah. Less soccer. Well, I guess more or less, less soccer in Portland than usual since the thorns are off, but a big week of national team games and, um, Timbers versus Dallas. Um, and I'll just plug, I, I'm really excited. I have a story coming out in a few days on the youngest Timber, um, and what it's like to for Marco Farfan to be a high school student and uh, play for the Timbers as well. So I'm pretty excited about that. That'll be out this week as well. So it, it is a big week of soccer. Basketball is not the only thing going on. That's very true. Uh, then let's since you know a little bit on the quieter side uh, from the soccer end. Although I do think this uh, Timbers Dallas game is is a really really big one for for the Timbers especially. Uh, but for, for both teams to a certain extent. Uh, but let's talk about last week's soccer before we get to, or get back to, I suppose, this week's soccer. Uh, and let's start with the Timbers. 2-0 win uh, over the San Jose Earthquakes. Uh, that was Friday evening at Providence Park. Uh, our predictions? Hmm, pretty good, if I may say so myself. Uh, I called it a 2-0 win, which is uh, just, you know, downright Nostradamus-like. 
Uh, and, and a Valeri Golan assist, which is like, I don't know, like maybe Nostradamus's apprentice, uh, like, so not quite Nostradamus on the side bet. Uh, you called a two, one, uh, Timbers win, which is like, you know, okay. Uh, with a Diego Chara goal, which is not even close to like what reality reflected at all. Um, so you should be ashamed of that, obviously. Um, so yeah, I'm going to go ahead. I, I'm, I'm going to like sort of unilaterally take the points point giving uh you know stuff this week i'm gonna go ahead and give myself 42.179 points uh for the 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 score result all of that being right and then you know getting at least that diego valerio is gonna get on the score sheet multiple times uh and i'm gonna give you for getting the win right in the timbers total number of goals i'm gonna give you 11.1736972 points uh, for 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 years, which I think is is still a decent haul, you know, considering all of the other wrongness you had in, in your prediction. Do you think that's fair? Yeah, sure. <laughs> so Diego Valeria scored two goals, uh, which I almost predicted, uh, as we just noted, uh, which I think leads to a relatively simple question. Is Valeri back? He's been in a little bit of a slump. It's been a little bit of a rough go from him uh, for the last few weeks. Uh, and, and then, you know, as Matt put it, he did what Diego Valeri does uh, against the Earthquakes. Do you think Valeri is back, and and this is what we can expect from him going forward? Yeah, I, I think it's a really good sign. I, I think, as we pointed out, he he wasn't bad in Montreal. The, you can kind of put that game as a little bit of a wash because of um, the red card that the Timbers had to deal with in that one. Um, but I, I think since the injury, since coming back from that, it's been a little bit of a slow comeback for Valeri, and he clearly wasn't effective up in Seattle. Um, I think this was an important performance from him. This is exactly what the Timbers need from him. Um, and, and this, this is a Valeri performance. This is what the Valeri does for the Timbers and, um, how he kind of leads them to get results when they need them. I, I think he is back. I, I think that maybe it was just a little bit slow coming off the injury. I, I don't see any reason why he should go backwards from this. Um, obviously there'll be ups and downs that happens to any player throughout the season. Um, but I think this is a good turning point and hopefully a sign that he um, is fully recovered from that injury, fully back in the team and is ready to contri- continue contributing like this. Yeah, I, I certainly think that Valeri is back, uh, in, certainly in goal scoring form. He uh, has been in good goal scoring form for, for the Timbers for you know, like basically since he'd been, he's been here. Uh, but I mean, especially this year, he, he certainly seems to be, uh, chipping in a, as many goals relative to uh, assists and other production than, than he's had. Of course, he had 14 goals last year. He's already at eight through 12 games uh, for the Timbers this year to go along with four assists. And it's interesting because, you know, as you know, he, he's a guy that came in in his first two years in MLS. He had 10 goals, 13 assists, uh, 11 goals, 14 assists. He was sort of primarily a playmaker, I think it's fair to say, and, and a very good goal scorer, but nonetheless a goal scorer second. Uh, and, and that sort of flipped on its head a little bit uh, over the course of the last couple of years. Uh, 2015, he had two goals and eight assists. Kind of a weird year for him. We talked about that last week. Uh, but it's kind of been flipped on his head. And he's sort of become more of a goal-scoring force than he has a, a playmaking force. And I think that works just fine the way the Timbers are, are set up. Uh, you know, I mean, you've got a Sebastian Blanco. He can certainly be a playmaker. You, you, you've got a Darlington Nagby ordinarily in there. He's certainly going to chip in with some of that. Uh, and, and so th- it is good that Valeri is contributing that. And, and, and certainly he did against San Jose. Uh, and that is a very good sign going forward because if Valeri is scoring goals, the Timbers are scoring goals in something that is um, not terribly insightful. 
Uh, so, you know, I mean, that is good news uh, for the Timbers. I do think it is a sign that, that he is going to be a bit back and a bit more influential. But I do want to see a little bit more of, of sort of that playmaking prowess. Because as, as much as Blanco chips in uh, and as much as Nagby chips in, they are not Diego Valeri, uh, who, when he, he is sort of at his playmaking peak, uh, is, I think, unequivocally one of the best uh, in MLS and, and probably in the top 10 or 15 in MLS history in, in, in that respect. And so I would like to see more of that from Valeri. I'm not convinced it's back just yet, uh, but I think it needs to get back. Uh, the the sort of controversial moment of the game, there were, there were a few of them, uh, but the one that I, I think certainly had had an impact on the result uh, was Darwin Sorrent got sent off in the 38th-ish minute uh, for the earthquakes. It was a, as a result of a second yellow card uh, on a foul on Sebastian Blanco. What did you think? I, I don't think there was much debate about the first yellow uh, that he got. I, I, I think there's a little bit more about that second one that was the foul on Blanco. Did you think it was warranted? Uh, and how much of an effect did you think it had on the game going forward? I, I think it was definitely questionable. I think it was a foul, whether it warranted a yellow card. Um, I, I think it could have gone either way, but it's not one that I, I'm all that upset about. Um, given the circumstances and, and given the way um, he came in on Blanco there. I also, while I think it impacted the game and, and I think it impacted how San Jose had to play and the amount that they really had to sit back and um, try to just prevent the Timbers from uh, finding goals, I, I also think that the Timbers were dominant before then. And Caleb Porter has said that this week, and it's absolutely true. The Timbers dominated San Jose um, in the first half. And before that red card, they were clearly the better team. This this is one of those games that it was very one-sided. Um, and it felt like maybe San Jose would be able to seal a goal on a counter. And the game was a lot closer with the scoreline than I think it was on the field. Um, but while the red card changed the game, I still think this is a game the Timbers should have won. Uh, so yeah, maybe a little bit questionable. I'm okay with that being called the yellow card there. And I, I think this is a game the Timbers with their performance would have been highly disappointed. And it, it would have um, been because they didn't capitalize on their numerous, numerous chances. Even so, they had plenty of chances they, they weren't able to capitalize on in the game, even though they did get the two goals. Um, but had they not won, it, it, it would have been looking at what did the Timbers do wrong in the attack because they dominated in the game. I thought the yellow was soft, uh, quite frankly. I, I agree with you. It was a foul. Uh, but I also think it's reasonable to say, I mean, this isn't one that you can really be up in arms in, uh, you know, about because, hey, look, I mean, if it's not a yellow card, then I'll tell you exactly what it is. It's the kind of foul where immediately after it happens, the uh, the broadcaster on TV says, he's got to be careful. He's sitting on a yellow. Uh, and and, and the, the color analyst uh, chimes in with saying, boy, you know, he's a little bit unfortunate not he's a little bit fortunate not to see a second yellow there. Uh, I mean, it, it would have it would have been a you know good money's worth of full foul uh, if he hadn't have received that second yellow card. And, and, and you know, I, I don't think it was sort of out of the realm of possibility or reasonableness or or, or reason uh, that that Kevin Stott ended up ultimately giving him that that second yellow. But but you're you're spot on though uh, in, in pointing out that the Timbers were totally cooking before that. Uh, the Timbers were, frankly, the only team that looked like they had a, had a chance to score. In many ways, the Quakes may have be, even been a little bit better after Seren went off than they were uh, before because, I mean, the Timbers were just, as much as anything, just that dominant. 
before uh, th that red card uh, as they were pushing for, for that opener in any event. So, you know, I'm not sure it, it ultimately had that much of an effect on the game. I, I think it is overwhelmingly likely that the Timbers would have won the game in any event. Uh, I think it very easily could have been uh, by a, the same or a similar scoreline uh, in 2-0 or, or, or some such thing. And so, you know, I, I, I didn't think it had a, a massive effect. Uh, let's tackle the question that we posed to Matt uh, a little bit because I, I think it is worth getting to. Do you think that this performance uh, the, and, and the way the Timbers played against the Earthquakes is a sign that the Timbers are sort of back in business, that they're ready to be that team that won three of the first four uh, and, and that got off to that great start? Or, or are you waiting to see something more? Yeah, I, I think I'm waiting to see something more. I, I think I, I agree with what Matt said. Um, the, this is a San Jose team that is not been prolific on the road. They, they came into kind of planning to kind of sit back. Um, the Timbers were dominant. It was a great performance to see from them at home. They are a team that has generally been very good at home in the Caleb Porter era. And they, like you said, were the team that should have, and seemed like the only team that was going to win that game. Um, but it's just too small of a sample size for me. This winless streak lasted five games they had obviously a very poor performance at san jose and, and they were struggling to pick up results I, I need to see more from the timbers um i i think it's great to see the clean sheet it's great for them uh to get the win to have valeri um show that maybe he's back um but there was a lot of opportunities they didn't capitalize on um i think we get into a little bit more but audi's still in a goal scoring drought um and the defense has still been shaky, even though they got this clean sheet. So I'm not ready to say they're anywhere close to where they were at at the beginning of the season, because I think the sample size is just too small right now. We have to see, and I think this is a big game. We want to see what they do against Dallas, a team that has shown that they're one of the best teams in the Western Conference this year. You know, I'm going to push back in a pretty devil's advocate way, because I, you know, if I'm being honest, I probably agree with you quite a bit. Uh, but I'm going to push back because that's more fun. Uh, and and that's to say that, you know, I do think that this game against San Jose is an indication that the Timbers may be sort of getting back into business. Uh, and, and, and the reason is, look, we haven't seen the Timbers sort of dominate a game like that. We haven't seen the Timbers really lay the lumber uh, to a team at Providence Park or frankly otherwise since maybe the Houston game uh, since, since that second half against Houston, when they, when they just absolutely obliterated the dynamo uh, you know, we, that was sort of at that level uh, of a game that the Timbers played. And frankly, they were pretty dominant for 90 minutes. Uh, 11 V 11, 11 V 10. It didn't seem to matter. The Timbers were in business. Your sample size concern is reasonable. But here again, I think is where it is fair to look back at that Seattle game and, and to look at that and say, hey, look, you know, that was a game in which they had a lot of things going right. They kept a lot of the ball. Uh, they they created the the bulk of the, you know, more chances. They didn't necessarily create better chances, but they created more chances. Uh, they limited uh, Seattle pretty significantly on, on, on the defensive end and really didn't give the Sounders uh, a whole lot to look at after that that opening uh, that opening corner kick. Uh, and, and that, you know, you can look back at that and you can see sort of indicators that something like this was coming. And, and, and no, the Timbers weren't as dominant against the Sounders on the road as they were against San Jose at home, but duh. Uh, and, and no, the Timbers weren't sort of a, as incisive in, in sort of 
I guess, ripening the chances in Seattle as they were against San Jose. But, you know, again, I mean, to some extent, duh. Uh, that's just going to be what happens on, on the road. And, and you know, that, that was sort of probably the, the, the hangover effect a, a little bit of, of the slump. But they were incisive. They they were good at ripening those chances against San Jose. They had a number of them. If anything, the, the finish was was what was not quite there. But hey, they're a step closer. They were able to finish off two of them. Uh, the posts had a, an absolute like you know the, the best game they've had uh, since Saad Abdul Salam uh, rung them a couple times in 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 the uh, in, in the 2015 playoffs. And, and you know, I mean, I, I think you can see, you can sort of trace back to that Seattle game signs that a performance like this w- was coming and, and signs that the Timbers really were sort of starting to genuinely play better, uh, even uh, as we saw on Friday with Darlington Nagby not on the field, which is another important uh, thing to consider. That, Vic, that Excuse me, not Victor Arboleda because he didn't play because Caleb Porter never substitutes players. That's a joke, uh, <laughs> but uh, but but with Dirona Spria coming in, putting in a good shift, his second good shift in a row after a good substitute performance in Seattle, I think that's another indication that, that this team is sort of starting to get enough of those pieces back in form. Uh, that as a team, they're, they're they're just getting better, they're getting more connected, uh, and they just look more like the team we expected them to be. So. That's my devil's advocate argument for why there is sort of a genuine reason for optimism as to why the Timbers are genuinely now back in business. A uh, question from Casey, though, gets to sort of the something that you touched on and that I touched on just a skosh in that answer. And, and, and it is this. When is that Adi guy going to put the round ball into the net? When is he going to use a, a well, well, well-worn cliche, going to burst the old onion bag again? What do you think, Jamie Goldberg? Uh, when is Fernando Adi going to score? Well, uh, we'll see my opinion in the predictions later, I think. But um, I, I think he did show that he's close. Uh, he had very, I mean, like you said, the posts played a big role in that game, and Adi had some very uh, clear chances that he came close to scoring, wasn't able to convert. You want to see him um, convert those chances. I think it was a bit disappointing that Adi wasn't able to get a goal against San Jose. But he was getting opportunities. He was getting close. Um, he was creating chances. He he looked like he was back, except for the part that he wasn't able to actually get the ball in the back of the net. And, and I think that is a good sign because I, I didn't think in some of these games where Audie's been slumping, it hasn't just been that he hasn't scored. It's been that he's somewhat disappeared on the field. He just hasn't been effective. You, you haven't been seeing him provide uh, the same things in the attack that that the Timbers have grown to expect. And, and it's not just being able to score goals, but it's about finding chances. It's about um, helping the Timbers create opportunities. And, and I, I think he did that against San Jose. So I, I think it's a sign that he's close. Obviously, you don't want a player coming, uh, getting a lot of chances, and then letting get to their head when they're not scoring. That can happen with a striker, but he had the opportunities. And now it's just about taking those opportunities and, and maybe not sending them off the post, uh, get it, getting those in the back of the net. And I wouldn't be surprised if we see that from Audi soon. Yeah. So I, it's time now for a little bit of a, of a biology metaphor, uh, because we don't give the, the science nerds who listen to, uh, soccer in Portland <laughs> enough of a shout out. Uh, so this is going to be a really bad biology metaphor. Uh, and you know, I mean, it, it's been like he, uh, he, he has been a caterpillar for a, a, a few weeks. Uh, it's been, everything's been pretty slow. He spent a lot, a lot of his time on the ground. Uh, you know, there's not been a whole lot to look at, 
and 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 you know, I mean, he it, he's sort of been uh, a little bit fuzzy with the ball, uh, and so he's been a caterpillar. Uh, he hasn't been great in hold up play. He hasn't been terribly active. He's been going down a lot, uh, and, and and that's been that's been troublesome. I think essentially what you saw is in, in this game is him like now going into the cocoon, right? Uh, he's he, he's like ready to go. Uh, he's he's in the cocoon. He he's sort of going through his metamorphosis, uh, and and you could see sort of like the indications that, that maybe he's starting to like come and break out of it. Uh, maybe there there are signs that that that, that he's ready. Uh, but, but he wasn't quite ready. He, he's not, he wasn't, didn't put the ball in the net. He didn't ultimately do what he needed to do. He did have a nice little dummy to Diego Valeri to set up the second goal that, that sort of put things away. Uh, but you're right. He put himself in a, in a number of good spots. He was involved. He was active. Uh, so, you know, I mean, like the, the, the cocoon sort of represents the promise of what is to come. I think that's very much, uh, what San Jose was. He wasn't necessarily, uh, that effective. He wasn't necessarily that productive, but you could see that there were good things down the road uh, for Adi. And, and I think he is about to burst out in the next couple of games and he's going to become a beautiful, beautiful butterfly once again. Uh, and, and he's going to be, he's going to be floating around scoring goals like crazy. Uh, and, and he'll become again, one of the uh, best strikers in, in MLS. So uh, I think it's going to happen soon. Uh, getting, it is a more positive sign that he's getting into those spots again, that he's finding those chances and they are just barely not coming off. It's not like they're comically not coming coming off. They're just barely not coming off for him. Uh, that if he just sticks with it, I'm sure he came out of that game feeling good, knowing that if he sticks with it, he is awfully, awfully close to being the guy that just is, is, is banging in goals uh, whenever he wants to. Okay, it is the international window. Yay, everybody's favorite time. Um, so let's sort of run down who is out, uh, who is going to be leaving the Timbers during the international window. Darlington Nagby, duh, we already talked about last week. Uh, David Guzman, what do we know about him? Uh, when can we expect to see him back in a Timbers uniform? Yeah, uh, he will be uh, out with Costa Rica this weekend, and it looks like he will be back uh, in time for the Colorado game. So um, we'll probably get into this at a later but, date. But, but that U.S. But. Um, yes, <laughs> I was... Totally forgetting about that for a second. Um, he will miss the U.S. Open Cup game, so that's another deal. And then he will not be allowed to play for that Colorado game because he will be suspended for yellow card accumulation um, for that game. So he will be back in time. Uh, so he will allowed. He will be therefore allowed to be suspended <laughs> for the Colorado <laughs> yes, game. Yes, exactly. Um, he will earn the pleasure of being suspended. <laughs> <laughs> almost forgot about that one, even though I've been thinking about it today. Um, so yes, he, he will be back, uh, realistically for the Minnesota game. Uh, it looks like the other guy that, that has been called out on international duty, although a little bit of a different situation, uh, Alvis Powell, what do we know about Alvis and when he will be leaving and when he will get back? Yeah. Um, I, I think he's, uh, similar. I, he will be out this weekend. Um, I'll, I'll have to ask you, I, I, my understanding was he'd be back before Colorado, but I'm not sure the exact time he'd be back. Um, but he, again, hasn't been playing, as we've seen. I mean, he's been healthy, and Valentin's been playing over him. So just because he's leaving, coming back, doesn't mean we're going to see him in the starting lineup. That is that is my understanding, that he will be back uh, by that Colorado game, I believe. Um, so that, that will not be uh, a long-term one. And as you said, it probably won't matter at all. Um, question from Tyler wants to know, this is the second time this year 
that the Timbers have been bit by an MLS match during the international window. Uh, he wants to know as a little bit of a review, why is that happen, happening? And does it make sense that the Timbers are doing it this way? Go, Jamie. Yeah, I mean, my understanding from Caleb Porter is that the Timbers do get to choose uh, a bit of when, um, whether they want to play through international windows, whether they want to play through some international windows. They don't necessarily get to pick which international window. Um, but I, I think they've made the decision to play through a little bit more this year because it is a little bit of a balance. Um, while they're losing Nagby and Guzman and potentially Pal during these international windows, if they choose not to play through any international windows, they're going to have a lot more compacted weeks where they're having two games a week and, and rotation becomes necessary. So it's neither way is perfect. Uh, and I, I think the Timbers look at last year. I, I don't think, I believe last year was the year that they didn't play through as many international windows. And I think they've made the decision that they need to play through some of these so that towards the end of the season, they're not playing two games a week um, and having to deal with rotation when big results, uh, there's big games where results really matter. Um, I, I think this makes enough, enough sense as it can for the Timbers. I do not like that MLS generally plays through these windows, but that's another discussion. I mean, it's a difficult schedule in the time frame MLS has been given and um there's not really a great answer of how MLS can avoid this without then forcing out lots of teams to play uh, multiple games per week, um, forcing rotation, forcing good players to sit out because of that, and, and also struggling to put their schedule around CONCACAF, Champions League, and U.S. Open Cup. So it, it's it's a difficult system in general. I, I think the Timbers have made the decision that they think is going to work best for them, and, and I think it makes sense because – the alternative is not necessarily any better. I think it made sense at the time. I actually think it's not worked out super well for the Timbers uh, because of sort of the sequencing of these games. I mean, look, you know, if the idea was to minimize uh, these midweek games, that's certainly a an idea that makes sense. Uh, midweek games are a primary driver uh, of either playing tired or, or injured uh, or playing with a, a weakened team because you're rotating a lot. And so that makes sense in general. But I mean, you look at sort of the Timbers schedule through the summer and they've still got a, a number of midweek games at really inopportune times. Uh, this game uh, against Minnesota United after the Colorado game is a midweek game that precedes the Timbers, uh, the, the, the Timbers Sounders game, Timbers Sounders MLS game, excuse me, back here in Portland. Uh, that is not great timing for the Timbers. The Sounders also have a midweek game, so that I mean, that they have to deal with that as well. Uh, but it's a, just objectively not a good time uh, for them to be to be sort of playing the the, the three games in seven days kind of deal. Uh, and it also creates a challenge uh, w- with the next week because if the Timbers win their Open Cup game in Seattle, something that I'm semi-doubtful on, we'll talk about that next week, that I'm a little bit doubtful on just because I don't think the Timbers are going to play a very strong lineup. But if they were to win, that would create another uh, sequence after that in, in, in which they have to play uh, three games in seven or eight days. And so I don't think it's worked out super well for the Timbers to date. Uh, we'll see if they sort of get the benefit of it down the road. If in, you know, August and September, they're able to, 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 to play more more of these sort of just like weekend, 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 weekend kind of patterns rather than having to play midweek games and see if they can get some advantages from that. Uh, the other time where, where they'll likely get an advantage from it is during the Gold Cup, uh, when I think most teams are, are having to play an extra game that the Timbers are not having to play. Uh, we'll see who from the Timbers is ultimately called out. Uh, David Guzman, he is on Costa Rica's 40-man. Will he actually go? 
Darlington Nagby, he is on the U.S.'s 40-man. Will he actually go? Uh, there are a number of other guys uh, that, that are in a similar situation where you say, ah, maybe he'll go, maybe he won't. Uh, but, you know, if a number of those guys go and the Timbers don't have to play a game during that period that they otherwise would have, then, I mean, you, you do sort of come back and say, okay, that made sense that the, they, the, they would sort of say, no, we're not going uh, to go during this period and we're going to make sure that we have some time off. Uh, when we have these these other challenges, be it league play that they don't want to have compressed or other uh, other sort of conflicts. So we'll see. Uh, but, you know, I mean, it, it makes sense in principle. I'm not sure, though, if it's really working out with the way the schedule has worked out for the Timbers. Um, injuries. Uh, we do have a few to talk about. Uh, Darren Maddox, start us off. I know you got an update on that yesterday from Caleb Porter. What did he have to say on Maddox? Yeah, Maddox uh, remains out. Um, I, I think with all the timelines, he was a little bit more vague than usual. I just simply because I, I think th- these players are out for a little while. Um, and as we talked about, this is good races, even more questions for the U.S. Open Cup next week. Um, it, it sounds like they're kind of looking at the Minnesota game as a potential game where they'll get some of the injured players back. Um, and so Maddox could be one of them, but he is out uh, as of now. So Maddox is out as of now. Uh, Jack Barnby, what do we know about him? Yeah, he rolled his ankle last week, and um, it, it's a similar boat. I, that's what Caleb Porter is kind of sticking with for right now. Um, he's out for now. Not going to be available likely for uh, Colorado US, U.S. Open Cup, Colorado, Dallas, um, maybe for the Minnesota game. Chance Myers has been out like seemingly forever. What's going on with that? Do we know anything more about that situation? Yeah, he has been out for a long time um, because he doesn't see many minutes. We we've only casually taken notice. Um, he remains out, um, but he does seem to be coming along a little bit. I, we've, I've seen him doing a little bit more at the trainers uh, at practice. And, and like I said, Porter is kind of looking at all these guys. Some of them might be back for the Minnesota game. Um, so you grouped Myers in that too. But I, I think he's just not setting a clear timeline um, because he knows all of these guys are going to be out for a few more weeks and, and needs to kind of see how it goes. And is that it or am I still missing somebody from the injury list? Well, I think that might be it. Yeah, I think that's it. Okay, excellent. Um, so because of that, I, I think the attacking options, like like last week, Victor Arboleda will be there. Uh, but he'll be joined this week, it sounds like in likelihood, uh, by Jeremy Abobasi, who I believe is back in town uh, with the Timbers uh, and, and and will likely be available on the weekend against FC Dallas. So if you're hoping to see Abobasi, you may get your opportunity uh, in that game against FC Dallas. That is Saturday evening, Providence Park. Uh, Dallas, after a really difficult May, as we noted with, uh, with Matt Doyle, just absolutely ran roughshod over RSL last week. 6-2 win. Uh, they were up 5-0 before they sort of uh, they sort of took their foot off the gas. Mauro Diaz did come back and play 30 minutes in that game. It, they were not a super relevant 30 minutes, uh, but they were nonetheless 30 minutes. And, and sort of in the ordinary periodization, you would expect that he would be able to take a step up uh, and probably play about an hour or so against the Timbers this weekend. Maybe stretch him a little bit longer than that. Uh, but yeah, and, and so that will very much uh, sort of change the look of FC Dallas as as they come into uh, Providence Park, especially if he is able to start ultimately. But they are just absolutely obliterated uh, on, on the back line. Uh, as Matt noted, Walker Zimmerman is out with an injury. Matt Hedges is out on international duty. Uh, I believe Maynard Figueroa is out. So that's three of their starting back line that are gone. Uh, I, I think they're basically going to be starting a Tiba Harris, who like, 
if you remember back far enough, was a winger, and then he was a fullback, and now apparently he's an emergency center back. Uh, and then they're they're going to be sort of dipping into their youth uh, and, and their younger guys to to fill that other center back spot. Uh, same thing sort of over at left back. And so there are definitely going to be vulnerabilities uh, for SC Dallas uh, on that back line. But boy, oh boy, are they good elsewhere. You know, I, they do also have Kellen Acosta out, but Victor Uyoa is no slouch, and he steps right into that spot. Uh, and then if they reintroduce Diaz, you're looking at uh, an attack that looks awfully good. Michael Barrios uh, has had an up-and-down season, uh, but he is certainly a guy that's punched the Timbers in the past. Roland Lamar is, is a guy that I wasn't sure had a pulse until last week when he, oh, had a first-half hat trick. Uh, Maxi Rudy has been one of the hottest players in MLS over the course of the season, will almost certainly get the start up top. Uh, and, yeah, so this is a, a dangerous FC Dallas team, certainly in the attack, even if the international absences uh, and some injuries ha- have weakened them significantly in defense. Okay, uh, a few Timbers questions before we move on to the Thorns. Uh, Ron and Daryl, similar similar questions. I, I squished them into one. Uh, is Sebastian Blanco worth the money? What is the take on him right now? I think if this is all we had to judge on him, if this was the season, I would say no. I, I, I think he is an upgrade from Lucas Milano. I, I think he's been more effective in the attack in terms of just his playmaking ability, his ability to back up Larry at the number 10, his ability to contribute on defense, um, which I think has been very important for the Timbers. Um, his ability to just be involved in the attack and help set things up. Um, but it's not the production you want out of a designated player. And, and Caleb Porter was clear last year when he talked about um, wingers and when he talked about bringing in Blanco, they want more production from their wingers. They don't want Audie and Valeri um, being the main players that can, uh, those guys are probably going to lead in scoring, but they want the wingers to contribute as well. So, I think it's been disappointing the amount of production he has. And and while I still think he's an upgrade from Lucas Milano, um, and I, I do think he has brought some important things to the field for the Timbers and has done well in simply contributing and, and helping to set up things in the attack, I, I can't say he's worth the money when, when he's not getting on the score sheet like the Timbers would hope. I agree, but it's too early. You know, I, yeah. I think as you sort of referenced, it's too early to sort of reach that conclusion in you know stone uh at, at this point i agree with you that he, he's he has been a better player and he's been a a more helpful player for the timbers than lucas milano uh ever was consistently uh i i think he has definitely fallen short in production you, you know but frankly i mean sort of my benchmark for him as far as production was always going to be sort of seven eight seven eight goals five six assists something like that from the wing uh would be worth what the timbers paid for him would be exactly what the timbers need for, need from him He's not on that pace right now. I mean, you know, there's no real way around that. Uh, he's not on that pace right now. And, and I think the Timbers would like uh, him to get up to that level of, of production. Uh, and, and certainly they would hope that as he gets more comfortable, as he gets more integrated, as he gets that chemistry put together, uh, th- that he gets there. Um, but if he doesn't, I, I, I think it would be hard to say that he is worth the money, even if he is helping in the other ways. I thought he had a pretty good game uh, against the Earthquakes. I thought especially the way he was working uh, on that left side with Vitas was pretty good. Uh, and, that, and that the Timbers generated a, a, a fair amount out of that uh, over the course of the game. And so, you know, I mean, that sort of goes just back into that column of, yeah, he was an overall helpful and, and you know, you know, good player. Uh, but he needs to produce more than, than he has. I, I don't think you'd find anybody. Uh, frankly, that disagrees with you. So, I mean, is he worth the money at this point? I'm with you. No, but it, it's way too early to to sort of reach that 
you know, on a, on a larger scale. Uh, Matt, not Doyle, wants to know, uh, Nagby is number 90 in MLS in fouls suffered this year. Given his ability to keep the ball, do you think that's a bad indicator for, for his productivity and the way he's helped helping the team? No, not, not necessarily. I, I think that Nagby has shown some things this year that have been promising um, in terms of production. He, he still is not where I, I think people would like him to be, um, though he ha- I do believe has two goals this year. Um, I think he has been important in the Timbers attack. This winless streak, I, I think you've seen maybe not the best performance from the Timbers all around, but, but Nagby still has been able to control the ball. He still has been able to um, help create things in the attack. I am not looking at Nagby this season and thinking he's doing anything quite that different um, than previous years uh, in terms of ability to keep the ball at his feet and, and ability to help the Timbers in transition through that way and get things going in the attack. You know, and the other thing to keep in mind and, and, and the reason why I'm not fired up about this at all is he's only played 10 games. Uh, he's, he's missed a, a handful of games uh, for the Timbers via either injury or, or international duty now. Uh, and so, you know, I mean, where he's sort of charting out in the league, I think is probably not representative uh, of a sort of how he's doing on, on on a per game basis, but B, I agree with you. You know, I mean, we knew that that as a and I, I think I referenced this in, in our discussion with Matt that you know sort of as a left winger, he's a little bit less influential, but he's a little bit more productive. And I think that's basically what the Timbers have gotten from him thus far the the season. He doesn't get on the ball quite as much. He still gets on the ball a fair amount, but not quite as much. Uh, but he is going to pick up a few more goals. He is going to pick up a few more assists, and that's the trade off. The, the Timbers very, very consciously made uh, when they decided to to move him there and, and, and to go with uh, somebody like a Sebastian Blanco on the other side. So uh, I'm not too concerned about that. Uh, I think Nagby is, is still doing enough and, and is having overall uh, a better season than he had last year. Um, but yeah, so that's that. Um, Thorns. Thorns 2. Sky Blue 0. Uh, that was a big win for the Portland Thorns. Uh, in uh, New Jersey this last weekend. Uh, our predictions, uh, again, I think both of us pretty good. They, they, we both went out a little bit on a, a, a limb here because we called uh, the Thorns went, both winning this game with Sky Blue, a good team at uh, in Piscataway, New Jersey, two episodes in a row. Uh, I called 2-1 Thorns over Sky, Sky Blue, Allie Long, a late winner. You called a 1-0 Thorns win with a uh, Haley Rosso goal. Uh, neither of our side bets were right. Um, you know, I, I think it's probably a split the difference. I got the t- Thorns goals scored right. You got the Thorns goals conceded right. Uh, so let's say we both get, you know, a 17.961 points uh, for, for the two of us and, and, and call it even. What do you think? Yeah, I, I think that's about right. All right, all right. Uh, I think the, the, the first question coming out of this uh, is, is very straightforward. Um, but maybe hard to answer. Lindsay Horan, human or cyborg? <laughs> well, uh, <laughs> I definitely think she's a human, but I think she... That is a bold, bold I, call. I, yeah, I know. She might be a cyborg. I, I don't know for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Got to do some investigative reporting there. Um, yes. But yeah, she she was injured at the beginning of the season. I, I think we mentioned that. I don't know if we gave it as much um credit as it deserved that she was didn't really have a preseason was 
um, coming into the year off an injury was not at 100%. I, I think to some degree she's been judged as if she was at 100%. But then I, I think she's gotten better over time as she's gotten back to 100% as she has gotten just adjusted, gotten basically her preseason in in the regular season. Um, and, and she's been massive for the Thorns in recent weeks. And this is not the first game, although um, this the goals came and that's um, – something that you're always going to get accolades for. She's been doing well for the thorns in the attack and, and helped them um, earn a result just a few weeks ago. So I think Lindsay Horan has come around. I think it's very important uh, given that the thorns have been dealing with injuries to have a player like Horan stepping up, finding goals. And, and I think her performance is a big reason why the thorns attack is finally getting going. Um, and a result like this is very promising. Um, with the Thorns getting their attack going, with Lindsay Horan playing as well as she is, um, with them able to maintain the defensive form that they've had, uh, this is really exciting to see a performance like the Thorns had in Sky Blue. Yeah, I'm going Cyborg. This is easy. <laughs> um, she has not been human, at least over the course of the last few weeks. You, of course, referenced uh, that performance that she had at Boston in which she just came on and absolutely balled out, especially in the second half, uh, was totally dominant. Uh, and, and and got the Thorns back into that game. Uh, she has been consistently good to outstanding over the course of the last few weeks, which makes me wonder how this is going to, to, to transfer over into uh, national team form for her. Because if this is the Lindsay Horan that we're going to see consistently going forward uh, for club and country, she's one of the best players in America. Uh, simply put, if this is what we're going to see from Lindsay Horan, she's one of the best players in America, and you are going to have a heck of a hard time convincing me that she is entirely human. She was excellent uh, in, in this game against Sky Blue. She's been excellent for a few weeks now, and and yeah, otherworldly uh, to, the, to that extent. So to the, to the extent that she struggled, uh, I think it, it can only because they were installing uh, her robot components, and, and now she has fully become... Uh, a, a, an absolute opponent destroying, uh, cyborg defense eating, uh, <laughs> you know, human robot, uh, mix. Okay. That's my opinion. Uh, first win on the road for the thorns. They've had a few draws. Uh, they had not broken through with the win just yet. They did, uh, at sky blue. Uh, what do you think? I mean, the, the, the sky blue was previously, I think in third, if I'm remembering last week's table, right. Uh, a, a team that that just a week ago, we called them, you know, among the most surprising teams in NWSL in the early part of the season. We're now a third the way through. Uh, was this a statement win for the Thorns? I mean, do you, do you think it's that big? Uh, or do you think it's it's just sort of, you know, going to work, doing business? I, I do think this is a statement win for the Thorns. Um, because they, they got the win on the road, that's big. It's a very tough league to travel in. And they got it against a team who hadn't lost at home. Uh, against a team who, like you said, had, had been one of the biggest surprises of the NWSL so far this year. I wrote last week about um, how dangerous Sky Blue was and, and how much they've been a surprise this year and um, compared to last season. So I think this was a huge win for the Thorns. The Thorns are trying to prove that they are the best team in the NWSL, that they are going to be able to contend for the NWSL Shield, um, contend for the NWSL Championship title, and they went to sky blue and said, Hey, it doesn't matter how well you've done this year. We are, we have the talent to beat any team in this league. And that's exactly what they did. They picked up a massive result on both and demonstrated both their offensive prowess and continue to do what they've been doing on defense. So 
I take this as a statement win. I, I take this as the Thorns have arrived and um, we'll see if they prove me wrong. But I, I think Thorns are beginning to get on the roll that we'd like to see them on. It very much looks like they are sort of rounding into uh, the championship quality form that, that, that we expected them to be in. Uh, but yeah, and, and, and so I do absolutely think this was this was the one, you know, I mean, the Breakers, uh, I think there was an argument to be made that, hey, you know, they're they're coming back to, to earth a little bit uh, against the Thorns in that home and home. Uh, I don't think you can really make that argument with, with Sky Blue. I think this it's a team they've sort of proven themselves a bit more than the Breakers had. They are looking every bit of being just a good team, uh, and the Thorns deservedly went there and, and deservedly won. Uh, and and so I, I I think this is a, a bit of a statement uh, for the Thorns. And ultimately, I mean, it gets you to this spot right where you're saying, all right, eight weeks into the season, uh, the Thorns. Uh, right now are, are, are sitting third in, in NWSL. Uh, they have the fewest losses, i.e. one, uh, in, in the league. They're on 15 points out of eight games. They have the fewest losses, one. They have the best goal difference in, in, in plus six. They have the best defense. Uh, and you've sort of now got to look at the, the, the you know, they, they've scored multiple goals in, what is it, four of five? And they've kept a clean sheet in three of four. I might be reversing those two. Uh, but nonetheless, I mean, you, you sort of wonder. I mean, it, it raises the question, is it time to put to bed the Thorns are off to a sleepy start narrative? Uh, our good friend Richard Farley had a really good piece in 442 uh, in which he said, you know, essentially, yes, the Thorns, the thorns have done well. The Thorns uh, have gotten the results. There is still more yet to come from this team, and that doesn't just have to do with Tobin Heath coming back. Uh, but even sort of, sort of potential for future growth notwithstanding, do you sort of have to put that narrative to bed and say, okay, this is the team we are expecting, even though we have yet to see their best player on the field? Yes, uh, I think so. I, I think that narrative absolutely has to be put to rest uh, at this point, especially have they done in recent weeks and especially with the statement when it's sky blue. I agree that I, I think they still have room to goal to grow. And, and that's just scary. Uh, that's just scary for the NWSL because if the, this Thorns team as is, as they've been playing, is already capable of beating any other team in the NWSL. And if they reach a new level, if they continue to grow, if Tobin Heath comes back and makes this team that much better, which I, I think we expect she is going to do once she rounds into form, um, this team is, is a team that could go across the league and beat anyone, could be dominant um, in the second half of the season. Um, but yeah, may, maybe the start wasn't exactly what fans expected, especially coming off the NWSL Shield maybe it took a few more games for the thorns really to get things going, but I think they're there. Um, and, and we'll see if they prove me wrong, but I, I think they're at that point and we're going to continue to see these types of performances from them. You know, and I, th the other thing is I think the schedule also proved to be sneak sneakily a little bit harder than we expected it to be, uh, in sort of this, this eight game stretch to open up. They had two against the Boston breakers. Everybody thought that, you know, even if folks thought that, uh, Rose Lavelle and company were going to make them better. I don't think anybody expected them to make them good <laughs> or, or a team or, or a team that like roughly approximated a good team. Uh, and, and so I, I think they, they had two more games essentially against a team that at least was less of a kickover uh, than expected. Sky Blue, same sort of thing. Uh, a lot of people expected them to not be very good. Uh, they have been quite good. Uh, and and they had a, a, another game against a team that, that was better uh, than folks expected them to be. And the Thorns have yet to play a game against either Washington or Houston, the two teams in NWSL that are unequivocally bad. Uh, 
and, and so, you know, I, I think that is something that you you look at the results, you look at the schedule, you look at the form of the defense, uh, you look at the way uh, somebody like like A.D. French, I, I was going to mention her in the last segment, and I just want to get her in now because she had a tremendous game, saved a PK, had a, a couple other great saves. She's had a very strong start to the season. You look at, at the, the, the defense's form, and then you look at it now at, uh, at at the attack rounding into form. And look, I mean, the, the, the Thorns slow start, the Thorns sleepy start, that's yesterday's news. And you're right. I mean, the, folks should have read Richard's article and been, you know, I mean, if you're a fan of any of the nine other NWSL teams, been terrified because the Thorns are arguably the best team in NWSL right now. And they are going to be getting better. Almost certainly they're going to be getting better. Uh, and, and it could certainly be at a point where they are in an even more dominant posture than they had last season. That's, a, I think, a very exciting prospect uh, for Thorns fans. Okay, um, predictions time. Timbers, FC Dallas, that's the only game we have to predict. So let's go ahead and predict it. Jamie Goldberg, you're up first. Well, I'm going to try the 2-1 result again. Um, I'm going to go with the Timbers 2-1 win. I, I think FC Dallas just has too many players that are going to be missing. And the Timbers are a very good team at home. So I think this is a three points that the Timbers are going to be able to pull out. And I think Audie's going to get out of that slump. I think he's going to get a goal. I'm going to call an offensive explosion. <laughs> that was awesome. Um, I'm sorry for that. <laughs> I'm going to say the Timbers are going to win and they're going to win four to two. Uh, it's going to be a big time production from the Timbers attack. Uh, they are going to take advantage of an FC Dallas backline that is significantly weakened. Even if uh, FC Dallas is going to have some some quality in, in midfield yet, uh, the, the, it is not good to be walking into Providence Park uh, against an informed Diego Valeri, uh, against a Fernando Adi that, that I think is getting ready uh, to, to score some goals with a back line that is like your basically your fourth and fifth choice uh, back line. Uh, center backs, uh, a backup left back. I, I think that is big, big trouble for FC Dallas. So I'm going to go 4-2 Timbers. But I don't think it's going to be Valeri or Adi that's going to be the news story coming out of this one. No, no, no. I think it's going to be Sebastian Blanco. I'm going to go way out on a limb to the point where, like, I think I'm already falling off of it. Uh, and say Sebastian Blanco is going to have not one, but two goals. He's going to register a brace as the Timbers run away with what will be a big win. And then, after that win, backline absences notwithstanding, I, I think then we'll be talking about, yes, the Timbers are back. Uh, as the team that, that they were at the beginning of the year. Okay, fantasy update time. Uh, third place, Christian, that is Victorious Secret FC. Ooh, what is the Victorious Secret? Uh, currently sitting in third place on 1,298 points. Uh, Beer City FC, that's Benjamin, uh, is in the top three as well, at, in second place at 1,314 points. And although the gap has narrowed a little bit, it is still Big Hearts, Brass Balls, Aaron with 1,335 uh, if you're wondering, I had a really good week last week. I am all the way up to 34th. Uh, that is me, Chris, with Portland with Coyotes FC. Jamie Goldberg, still just absolutely disastrous. Last place with zero points. She doesn't play. Um, okay, we're Soccer Man Portland. You can find us every week uh, on OregonLive.com and Stumptown Footy. You can subscribe on iTunes and Stitcher. Uh, if you're looking for Jamie Goldberg for the next couple hours, she's going to be in front of her TV uh, watching the Warriors and the Cavs. If you're looking for me, I don't know. I could be like making dinner. I could be folding laundry. I could be doing any number of things. Uh, but 
You, over the weekend, will be watching uh, soccer. So will we. We're going to come back and we're going to talk all about it, uh, including the Timbers against uh, SC Dallas, including uh, the national team against Trinidad and Tobago, uh, and, and, if relevant, Darlington Nag be playing in that game, uh, and anything else that happens over the course of the next week. The Thorns are off uh, for their international break, uh, but we will be back to talk about all the soccer that happens and other stuff as it comes up, potentially including the Warriors winning yet another championship. Uh, okay. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for your questions. Big thanks once again to Matt Doyle, uh, for taking the time to call in. Uh, and yeah, enjoy the soccer and we will talk to you again next week. Until then, take care.